there and welcome to Season 1, Episode 59 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Terry Walling, and we discuss his book, Stuck, Navigating Life and Leadership Transitions. I found this book to be very fascinating. Adam Fogelman um, put me in contact with Terry. And um, I just think at this time of the year, as we're getting ready to start a new year, um, we are going through, many of us went through transitions um, in 2020, and we looked through 2021. And um, Terry provides some great insights and just a, a process that I really, I really appreciate processes when, um, and structures that can help me think and work through transitions. And he provides that and just some valuable insight and great encouragement. And um, I know you're you're going to love it. You're going to want to take notes and do encourage you to get his book. His book was one that I took a lot of notes on and really appreciated and valued. So we just thank Terry for spending time with us today on the podcast and Adam for putting us in, in connection and um, learned a ton, ton from him. Do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland, caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So exciting to be here today with my my new friend, Terry. Um, Terry, uh, Adam Fogelman um, said, hey, if you're going to talk about transitions, you need to you need to talk with Terry. And um, I read his book, Stuck, and it was, I took, I just shared with him before we started recording, took a lot of notes. And so exciting to have, have him with us here today. Terry, could you go ahead and share a little bit about yourself um, before we jump into, into some of the questions? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. First, honored to be here. Honored to just kind of come alongside and share um, some of my thinking. But bottom line is, uh, spent oh, 30 plus years now in the ministry uh, animal and uh, have tried to actually continue to live out um, God's unique uh, gifting like we all do in our own journey and understand how he can best use me. Uh, grew up in a Christian home, actually wanted to play baseball, U.S. baseball, make a lot of money. The sister was going to be the missionary. And uh, so I'll just show you how much I got things all worked out. She married a guy making a lot of money, and I became a missionary. <laughs> Boom! So, you, know, you know how you, you, you've got life all figured out till God intervenes. And uh, I actually end up then moving first uh, into pastoral work. So I spent about 14 years in pastoral ministry, uh, involved in both associate and then leading in the senior pastor slot. Uh, it was a church I grew up in. Uh, I have been to counseling, so I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, when your parents attend the church, when your dad's on the board and your mom's your secretary, yeah. it, it, provides many needs for counseling. But anyway, survived that and went over to Australia for five years, joining a mission agency to try to help. Uh, it was a functional mission agency, not a geographical mission agency. So uh, our call was to try to help the local church, either through revitalization and or through planting of new churches. So we mm. were kind of the Aaron and her alongside, mm. try to do everything we could for people in ministry. And that's where... I began to cut my teeth on this topic of leader development, 
or lifelong leadership formation. And that's where I began to actually see uh, that personal renewal proceeds and leads to corporate change. So yeah. whatever happens in the people can happen in the organization or the ministry or the mission. Hmm. Whatever's not happening in the people probably won't in, in corresponding ways be things you can change in the organization. That's yeah. I one truth. I'm not too smart. I'm sticking to it. Spent five years down under and then came back and spent the uh, eight additional probably about 16 years um, executive vice president of that mission. Hmm. Uh, 10 years ago, launched out, as I heard the Lord say, I want you to focus on the personal renewal side, the leadership development side, yeah, and try to do everything you can to get alongside people like we're, who are listening right now. Yeah. Try to help encourage them because the research shows that few leaders finish well, hmm. only one in three. Hmm. Uh, that comes from the research of my mentor, Dr. J. Robert Clinton, wrote the book, The Making of a Leader. And uh, so that, that to me, is, is not acceptable. I mean, yeah. a finishing well is more in love with Jesus at the end than in the beginning. So all of that background to say to you, that's how I, in some sense, you know, like we all do, we throw things against the wall, draw a target around it and say, hey, <laughs> I, meant to do I stumbled on transitions. Yeah. Because um, I was teaching leadership development in the seminary setting. I was teaching leadership development all around. And people were giving me a great up and down nod, go, this is so helpful, and shaking their heads going, I don't know what to do with it, and I don't know really how to apply it. So they were just kind of going on. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, though, till transitions hmm. that it started to make sense. Yeah. When we got in the in-between moment, when we got in the moment when all of a sudden we don't know quite where we're going, but we hmm. don't know which, we know for sure we can't go back. Yeah. That was the, all of a sudden now the felt need moment that opened the door to this whole paradigm that God shapes us over our lifetime. Hmm. And he uses transitions as in-between moments to help us clarify both what he's been doing and then help us get a better uh, trajectory in terms of where he could be leading us. Hmm. And it was like, Aaron, I just, all of a sudden people's eyes started lighting up going, I get it. Yeah. So when I wrote the book stuck, it was after kind of 30 years of trying to help people in their own development, finish well, and better understand what it is that God has for them. The Ephesians 2.10, we've been created to do good works, which he authored before time began. Hmm. So the question is not whether he's created something for us to do, contribute, but the question is, what is that? Yeah, he's true. always been at work. How's he been at work? And how we join him in his, in his work and I have found that transition moments are some of those key times when all of a sudden he realigns us to his purposes. So how about that for a quick intro? No, that's, that, no, that's excellent. That's excellent. And so, you know, just to jump right in, you know, is you highlighted missionaries um, and in my experience, we transition a lot. And um, we do. We transition a lot. Can you share what your def what is your definition of a transition? Because I think sometimes people would maybe see that different. Yeah. And what are some yeah. of the characteristics that you would use to maybe describe transition? 
Well, it's a little different than how we've used the word sometimes where we just refer to transitions as vocational. In hmm. other words, I'm transitioning from this position or to that position. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm moving from this agency to that agency or kind of quote unquote, um, you know, what's best for, you know, my development or career. Really what transitions are, are the in-between moments in our personal lifelong development. Okay. So they're the glue that holds this thing together. And um, I have found, and the research would show us, because Clinton's research is 5,000 historical, biblical, and contemporary leaders. So it's not just importing in pop stuff. Yeah. Or importing in the world and then putting a label on it and say it's Christian. No, I've been part of, and I teach this now, and he was part of when he taught at Fuller Seminary, the bottom line of this study of how does God shape leaders. And when you look at their lives, you begin to realize they hit, he called it boundary moments. I renamed it transition moments because of the confusion with counseling. Hmm. And he discovered and now I have verified after 30 years of coaching that we go through a series of transitions in our, in our journey to hear well done thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. So a transition is an in between moment when God imagine your life is a story and it has chapters. Transitions are the moments when the page turns hmm. and now that chapter is done but now you see on the page in front of you kind of like chapter four yeah, or chapter five or whatever. And it's that scene. It's that in-between place where God actually stops us and says, so what have I been doing? And based upon what have I been doing, what do you think I will be doing in the days ahead. Hmm. And so it's a stopping point in route to hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we go through, by the way, about 10, 12, even 15 of these, but there are three biggies I discovered uh, in that uh, process. Yep. Before we get to those... Before, before we get to those three biggies, yeah, why why do we is you use your illustration of turning the page? Why do we seem to get stuck? Um, is the title of your book? <laughs> why do, why do we seem to get stuck and not necessarily weather these transitions? If you say there's twelve to fifteen in our life, why do we get stuck and and not weather those transitions very well? Well, my friend, let's actually use a case study from scripture. Um, probably the best way to answer that is John chapter 21. So we all have quoted, taught, done sermons, theologized on Peter being told, do you love me three times? Hmm. Um, I think to be honest with you, I'm not saying all the sermons we've taught have been wrong. I'm just saying there's another take on that. If you look at John 21, you find out before those questions were asked to Peter, the night before, Peter took the boys out and went fishing. And in going fishing, uh, it is interesting, he, he didn't have any problem getting a crowd. It says they looked at all the other disciples, said, I'm going fishing, and they said, we're going to. Yeah. And, and if you really think about that, how could Peter do that? I mean, Peter has seen the resurrected Christ by now. Yeah. And yet he's going fishing. 
It's kind of like, <laughs> really, Pete? <laughs> really? And, and so I'm getting to my point. My point is when Jesus calls them in and he actually has breakfast already cooking and there are fish cooking on the fire, and so he doesn't need their fish to have breakfast for them ready. And when Jesus looks into Peter's eyes, I think, yes, he's saying, and I know the declension of the Greek for the various love. I think Peter, what he's really saying is, Peter, do you trust me? Hmm. Do you really trust me? Hmm. Peter, will you trust me when I leave? Or are you going to go back to what you know? Hmm. Are you going to allow me to take you to what you don't know? Or will you return back to the familiar? Wow. And I think that is why we get stuck. Because when you don't know where you're going, and by the way, here's what I found for us veterans of the ministry. (laughs) uh, The farther you go, the easier it is to not go on. Interesting. Interesting. And here's the reason why is you've been shot, you've been wounded, you've been beat up, you've now got the scars of ministry, and you can actually kind of perform pretty well when they ask you to do a Bible study, when they ask you to lead this, when they ask you to pray, whatever. You kind of got it. So you could, and most leaders do, which is sad, retreat back to what they know versus move on to and keep learning and leaning into what they don't know. Hmm. And the farther you go in the journey of ministering, the more you have in your tool bag and the more in the end you'll probably be tempted to trust what's in the tool bag versus actually acquire the new things you're going to need to accept the challenges that you've never experienced before. So we, and in leadership development language, Aaron, we plateau. Okay. We arrest in our development. It's not a TV show. That's, that's a reality. We arrest in our development. And sometimes don't even know it till we're well into it. Wow. So what would be some signs that we've maybe um, arrested in our development? Or is there some signs that you, as you share and you've seen that, that would say that, hey, I've plateaued? Yeah. Voice recognition, number one. Been a long time since you heard his voice. Hmm. I mean, really. Yeah. And you can even been reading, reading his word doing daily devotions. Um, But actually, you really haven't heard him for quite a while. Yeah. Voice recognition is one. Yeah. Second, pace and ministry has now pushed aside personal growth and development. Interesting. So your pace doing all these great things for God and your busyness filling your calendar with all sorts of things 
has actually made you busy, hmm. which in the end feeds ambition, not alignment. Wow. That's gold there. And then the third one, which is hard to hear, but it is true nonetheless. You and I have this bent that we continue to fight. And that's this idea that we'd love to be in control. Okay. So if you have faced a total disruption and you have turned to planning versus Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. Know that you know that you know that you know that you know I'm God, not you. If you have tried to solve all of the issues with the next app, that's a good indicator that maybe the very source of your life is actually um, dried up. That's why he has to keep digging deeper wells. That's good. There's water there. Yeah. One, one final quick thing. I tell people, this may be heresy, but at least I announce it. I don't think it is. <laughs> in, the first, in the first half of life, God chases us. But in the second half of life, we must chase him. Hmm. A lot of your, your friends are friends out there who are, you know, pioneering, pushing new ground, helping bring the gospel to new places. Bless you. But if you get to the mid game, something happens in somewhere in the mid game that actually now makes doing not the issue. Being is the issue. Oh. And in the second half, effective ministry flows out of who you are, not all the things that you do. And I guess if it goes back, if you've plateaued and you're dependent on what you've done in the past, then you just continue to you 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 continue exactly. to do and not and not be. Is that is that is would that exactly. be exactly that 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 to me is a good one. And so John 15 then comes in. Yeah. So another thing maybe of a heresy, but I don't think so. John 15, you still produce fruit. Yeah. But the fruit doesn't remain. Yeah. Wow. That is uh, scary. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, yep. uh, and a very good, very good word of caution. Um, very good word, word of caution. I think it ought to be. I think it's, a, it's actually though, our, our hope. Yeah. By the way, you don't want a ministry you can produce. That, that, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. But that's, when we've been vocational, that's the trap. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want a God you could control, and you yeah. don't want a ministry that you can produce. That's true. That's not why you got into the gig, and that's not the thing that will sustain you as you go through it. That's good. That's good. You shared that you've discovered um, three important transitions that occur in the life of a, a committed, passionate uh, Christ follower. Yeah, Could you unpack yeah. those three for us um, just so we could understand them a little bit better? 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, from the research, and it's, it's from, as you look at lots of Christ followers who've tried to live. And by the way, that's the mandate in Hebrews 13, 7, and 8. Cons- you know, study their lives of the people who have gone before you. Consider how they lived it and imitate their faith, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is free, quick throwaway. I want to encourage your readers to identify their biblical mentor and study their lives. Because there's a good chance the reason they're drawn to that mentor is because it's similar to what God's doing in them. That was just a side note. So the three major transition moments happen kind of in a generic way around ages. Now they're not, it's not bound by this, but in the twenties to probably late thirties, there's something that we've called the awakening transition. And the subject area there is clarifying or identifying a sense of calling, not calling like into vocational ministry, calling in terms of the direction of your life. So the awakening is basically awakening to a a sense that there is purpose beyond just living life. There is life in him. And he has, if I'm willing to go after it and chase it, he has for us a a sense of, of direction and some values. That's the key to the first one. So it occurs somewhere in the 20s to 30s. And it is the, it is the one that's probably the most documented. The other two aren't. The, the middle game one, though, this occurs in the 40s to late 50s, is what I call the deciding transition. And in the deciding transition, now that you've been at it for a while, um, now you begin to realize there's more to do than I could ever do. Mm. And there's more complexities that could keep me from it than I ever imagined. Yeah. And so the second one is deciding of all the things you could do, what is it that you best, you feel best reflects what God has shaped you to do? Yeah. And so that's, that subject area is contribution. Okay. In the mid game, this is where we lose most of the leaders, by the way, because they get so good, like we talked on before, that they actually get ready for this. It's going to sting don't need Jesus. Wow. Wow. So anyways, in contribution, it's understanding what to say no to. Hmm. So you can actually move on to what you need to say yes to. Okay. Up to this point in time, you said yes. From the mid game on, it's about actually saying no, but it's having a, a criteria grid. So God interrupts us and launches the deciding transition to get us to start moving toward issues of clarifying contribution, which takes us to the last one, which I have called finishing, but finishing does not mean finished. Okay. Finishing is God now starting to move an individual toward a time of convergence. That's the topic there. So you got calling, contribution, convergence. You got awakening, deciding, finishing. Okay. And in convergence, this is the bringing together of everything of who you are with what you do. Okay. So that you can actually understand what God's entrusted to you and give it to others who will do it far better. That's Ephesians 4. Hmm. So 
fin the finishing transition happens usually in the 60s to mid 70s and that's a time of actually understanding legacy and understanding what it is God wants you to do by way of taking what you have and making sure others have a chance to use it. So three major transitions. So you're going to go to through 10 to 15 of these along the way, okay. but three of them blip up as biggies to keep you moving toward well done, now good and faithful servant. It's good. I hate to go backwards, but I'm going to go backwards. You offer oh, the, fr the, fr the, yeah. the free compliment, the free uh, adage there about a, a biblical mentor. What does a biblical mentor look like? A biblical mentor is a person in the Bible who you are most akin to. Hmm. In other words, when I ask you who might be your biblical mentor, what's the name that first flashes up on the screen? Yeah. And it's usually a person that you are drawn to for both uh, reasons of influence, mm -hmm. but also for reasons oftentimes of their role, their, the way that they carried out ministry, the passion on their heart, the calling God gave to them. So mine's Barnabas. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I realized I wanted to be Paul, but in reality, I'm Barnabas. Okay. And Barnabas is the guy who will come in and offer a word of encouragement and sponsor the leaders that are needed to take the movement forward. Where I probably am not always going to be that guy, but what I'm going to be is the one in the back that says, hey, he was the right guy. Yeah, that's good. So I had to let Barnabas mentor me. Hmm. So I studied his life. I looked at how God used him. I studied what happened, you know, when all of a sudden we got this breakout in Antioch and, and he's dispatched and then he sponsors Paul and all this kind of stuff. I, I'm the one, yeah, I could take Silas out and do a ministry journey or whatever. Uh, I'm not Silas, sorry, John Mark, but the bottom line is um, the one who gets all the credit is Paul. Yeah. So I've actually had to deal with some of my stuff with that. And that's hmm. how, Barnabas mentored me. That's good. That's good. It, just as you mentioned that, it just, uh, it really stuck in my mind. And I thought I didn't want to let that, um, uh, I probably would have got some emails asking, why didn't I ask that question? So I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I would uh, come back to it and uh, maybe that I'll. Yeah, it's, it'll... it's a little teaser I drop in there every once no, in a while. No, and, and way to take the bait, Aaron. Very good. Very good. <laughs> you also talk about, uh, as I read through your book, you talk about a pathway of transition, and you discuss four steps and phases of transition. Can you share those? They really, um, they were fascinating and very enlightening for me because um, I really never thought about it as, as a as a pathway. Could you share those with the audience, and yeah. why and why those are why each is an important step. Um, or yeah. step in the path. Sure. Well, I think hope is what's meant, what's not present in transitions. And by the way, I found hope and courage are tied together. When you lose hope, you lose courage. So by identifying a pathway, it allows people to actually realize this thing has a beginning and an end, and maybe there's a way through it, but it's not offered as a formula. It has four major segments. If you can think about a clock, right in front of you, your listeners can think about a clock from 12 o'clock to three o'clock would be something that's called entry. And that's where people actually don't even know they're in a transition. They're oftentimes just fighting, trying to 
get old answers to solve new problems till they realize mm. something is going on that's different. <laughs> it's not a bad weekend. It's not bad pizza. Yeah. It is not going away. Yeah. So three o'clock to six o'clock is basically a time when all of a sudden you begin this process of evaluation. Okay, God, what is it uh, that's going on? So entry is the first one leading us to evaluation is the second one. So as you come around from three to six, you're crying out to God, God, what is going on? You, hmm. you need to show me. And what is it that's happening? And, and how come all the answers that I've used before to hear your voice bring silence? Hmm. And then that takes us from six o'clock to nine o'clock. And that segment or phase is called alignment. Okay. So it moves from entry evaluation to alignment. Alignment is starting to, to see a little bit more what God's doing and surrendering to him. And, and here's the beauty of that. The prize of surrender is revelation. Interesting. So that's John 5. When Jesus couldn't be found, he was surrendering to the Father, and the Father showed the Son what he was doing. Hmm. So it moves then from evaluation to alignment. Now, the, the final phase from 9 to 12 is called direction, but let me get to that for a second. Especially if you've been an American, but not just exclusive to Americans, we love formulas. Yeah. So here's what we think. We think evaluation, <laughs> God's going to point out something, leads to alignment, I surrender to him, and then I get the goodies, Yeah. right, to go look really good. Yeah. Not how it happens. What happens in a transition is it rocks back and forth. So alignment takes us all back to evaluation. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. I, I, I surrendered. What else? Well, there's a few other things. Hmm. And he begins to show us again, of which we align, hopefully, hmm. thinking, okay, then that's it. No, it rocks back to evaluation. So most of the time is spent in that three o'clock to nine o'clock rocking back and forth. And wow. that's what's so hard about transitions. Wow. We feel like they're never going to end. Hmm. But just probably at the time we're absolutely convinced it won't end because they go three months to three years. Boom, direction starts to happen. And what direction is, is now God starting to reveal. It happens oftentimes with just some what I call destiny experiences. Destiny is not a new age term. It's a very biblical term. It's about the sovereignty of God. That leads us to destiny revelation where you begin, he begins to connect the dots, which leads us then from kind of like 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock is now destiny fulfillment. He begins to unfold an assignment or thing that'll help you hmm. um, be, begin to live it out. Final point on the, on the wheel is 11.59. We've come all the way around, and 11.59 is comprised of something usually called a faith challenge. I tell people the only thing worse than not knowing what God's doing is knowing. Hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit for me? Because I yeah, read that in your because book. What, yeah, they want to know so desperately, and then all of a sudden they discover, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've never either done this before. I don't have the money to do this. Where, how is this all going to work out? 
I'm going to have to actually step out in faith and trust him. Wow. But the reason you step out in faith is because you've been on a journey now to convince you that he's leading, not you. Hmm. He's speaking, not you. He's the one that's architecting this, not you. So it's, it's kind of like another final picture I use for the kind of the progress of a transition is like an eddy in the water. Mm -hmm. It's that little pool that you see spinning around. And once we come out of it, then boom, we're back into the main flow again. And life goes on. So this is, this is why it's so important, Aaron, for our listeners to hear this. Instead of fighting Jesus, get all you can from Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's the purpose of a transition because it will come to an end. And when it comes to an end, you have what you have. Hmm. And he's orchestrated this to help equip you for what's ahead, not keep you stuck where you are. Hmm. You talked, um, you, we talked to you, you wrote in your book about divine contacts. Where does yep. divine, where divine contacts come in that transition process? Are they all throughout that? Is you, sh uh, the clock illustration, would they be in, in the process? Um, and maybe for those who haven't read the book, would you share what a divine, how you explain a divine contact and where? And yeah, divine, we, uh, absolutely. Sorry to mean wrote. Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, well, a divine contact is just somebody who in some sense shows up. Uh, uh, or it could be a book that you hit on, or it could be a, a uh, talk you've heard. Hmm. Um, so bottom line, a divine contact is really God sovereignly continuing to intervene and bring the people and the truth you need along the way to help you keep moving. Okay. That's what a divine contact is. If you take a 30,000 view versus a 30 foot view of your life, you'll see them. They're hmm. there. People God's brought along your way. It's why I, I find one of the most helpful exercises that people who are Christ, passionate Christ followers can do is to create a timeline. And I help them create post-it note timelines. But the bottom line is a divine contact comes along and keeps you moving. So you'll find them all the way throughout your journey. But okay. in particular, in a transition, you'll find them in that 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock range. Okay. that actually are part of the evaluation and alignment. And oftentimes, God will bring people into your life at those moments to say things that sometimes you've never heard, but are right on time in terms of what you need. Hmm. And divine contacts are one way that, that he does that, because he's actively engaged in our development. The question is not whether he's engaged. The question is, what is he engaged doing? And do we have the courage to join him in that work? That's the questions. Wow. And two big questions that uh, definitely, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And so you, we, we talked about, in the book, it talks about um, being stuck. What are some of the benefits of, of getting this? If we go through 12 to 15 transitions, what are some of the benefits of, of transitioning well? And um, and, and there. Have you found as you've studied and researched this, what are, what are some of the reasons that God walks us um, through times of transitions? Yeah. Yeah, kind of four basic um, things that we get 
kind of a net from a transition. One, one of the first things he does is teaches us lessons and helps us recognize how he's been at work in the past. So hmm. lessons and convictions are some of the key things that he does. And by the way, it's like almost like the rock pile that, that God made Israel always form. The number one command given to the nation of Israel is to remember. And the one thing we know about Israel is they never remember. <laughs> so he, he had them actually build rock piles to say, when you go past that altar, remember that. Yeah. So we're, we're going so fast trying to do so many great things for God that we actually miss what God's doing. So lessons and convictions. Second thing he does is actually sharpen values. Hmm. Um, everybody's put the emphasis on vision, and I think that's a good way to, to move into ambition. I think the emphasis should be placed on values. Wow. And if you think about it, values is discipleship. Okay. It's aligning our values to his. So one of the things that happen in a transition is we not only rehearse these lessons, but actually what he's doing is he's embedding values that become guardrails for the future. The ways we make decisions and not get off course. Third thing that he does is actually bring healing. Um, a lot of things happen in a journey that is oftentimes hurtful, oftentimes destructive. And if we don't deal with them, we're going we're gonna to risk inflicting our stuff onto others. Wow. And that happens, especially in the Christian circles. Very toxic environments, many of them. Hmm. So God is going to actually use transitions sometimes to bring back, as hard as this is, things that maybe we don't even want to look at, yeah. but need his grace, need the salve of ongoing redemption, to heal us and, and things that actually we think are okay, but we need to revisit because there's something more. Wow. So healing. And then the last one he does is he forecasts. So he does like what I've talked on in that last little segment, he does start giving us what I call divine whispers. Okay. He starts telling us I'm in it. Hmm. I'm with you. And by the way, are you paying attention? Because the future is going to look something like this. Yeah, it's good. So he creates that sense of expectation in us that he who began this good work is not finished with the work. Wow. There's more work to do. Wow. So though, as I've coached and helped and taught and everything, those seem to be the four things I've noticed over and over again that people gain from the in-between moments. Wow, that's good. Really appreciate your wisdom and insight. And uh, I just want to ask one more question. Um, you should, one of the things in the book that, that many things in the book that stood out to me, but this thought, you said, um, no matter how mature of a Christian you are, you can only handle so much frustration, confusion, and lack of direction before starting um, to lose hope. Could you yeah. offer some words of hope uh, maybe to somebody that's listening in today that maybe they're in that place where they're frustrated, confused, and uh, yeah. <laughs> lacking direction, and um, sure. maybe give some words sure. of encouragement and hope to them? Well, here's my first word of encouragement. What you're going through has a name. Hmm. 
you're not going crazy and nuts and you're not losing your faith hmm. and you're not um, kind of going to be cast aside into the the moments of life that you're never going to hear his voice again. Wow. No, it has a name. It's called a transition. Yeah. Second of all, you're not being picked on. Um, this is one of the tools God uses to shape us. So as, as bad as it feel, uh, I know this is going to sound weird. It's actually your greatest hope hmm. that not only does it have a name, but as hard as it is to follow him right now, God's at work. So be encouraged with that. And the third thing is you don't get to clarity alone. Wow. So you, you really do. And it's why Aaron, I am so committed to coaching. The type of coaching we train and coach people in is helping them process, not solve a problem, but process what God's doing in their journey. Okay. So a coach is somebody who draws things out. Mm -hmm. A mentor puts things in. Good. So you, you are going to need some friends that don't try to fix you, but help you process and help you get outside of you what God's been doing on the inside. Good. And every time I've helped an individual articulate what they're going through, here's an interesting thing that happens. Articulation and focus are tied. Mm. The more you're able to express what's going on, the greater the potential of you beginning to, not completely and not 100%, but understand more of what's going on in your journey. Good. So that's why we got the body of Christ. That's why we're with each other. Not all Christians are safe. Not all believers are non-fix-its. A lot of us like to fix it. By the way, when we try to fix others, it's because we're trying to fix ourselves and it's not working. But the bottom line is there are people who could and would walk with you and help you better understand what God's doing uh, in the days ahead. So, so draw from that. Get hope from that. Get that sense of perseverance uh, from someone else walking with you. That's a good word. How'd I do? Do you think is that kind of, that's a that great answer to your question. Yeah. Great word and great word of encouragement. Terry, will you yeah. pray for the audience? Um, whatever oh. direction God would guide and direct you, but just pray that um, what you shared with us today will not just be new knowledge, but these are things that we will allow um, God to transform our lives and to speak hope and encourage um, into our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lord, Thank you for each and every person who we've had the privilege of just sharing a few moments with. Thank you for who they are. Thank you for their desire to respond to your work in their life. Thank you that that response has, I know, meant sacrifice and meant um, times of questions and times when you've deepened their faith. So I pray first, Spirit of God, that you would put a hedge of both protection, but also encouragement around them. That you who began this good work, Jesus, are still at work. And Father, you who um, are and continue to have time in your hands, you um, are actually um, 
continuing to bring about um, the good news and the, the gospel that you've placed on their hearts and our hearts. So encourage them, I pray, and then help them, Lord, to take any of the things that we have shared and, and not only draw encouragement from them, but also draw potential behavior in the days ahead from them. Whatever was of you, Spirit, lead and guide my friends into all truth. Help them to see in new, fresh ways that even, even the confusion uh, is part of you doing a new work and potentially doing a greater work in and through their lives. I pray for my friends a deeper intimacy with you that will actually be the very thing that produces through their lives a greater influence for you. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 